There has been a huge trend in higher education known as service learning, an educational approach that combines classroom learning with outside the classroom learning, particularly by integrating course learning goals with service projects that aid community development and have a positive social impact. It's a form of experiential education and learning by doing, service as education. Duke is a part of this trend and commitment with its oft-quoted mantra, knowledge and service to society, as one of its key strategic themes and guiding institutional principles. Even in past history, Duke President Few spoke of knowledge in service to humanity. So there's this commitment to service and what is called civic engagement today across the university through various units such as the Duke Office of Durham and Regional Affairs or the Center for the Advancement of Social Entrepreneurship at the Fuqua School of Business. And even as part of the undergraduate educational experience in particular, there is a very popular program that is now 10 years old called Duke Engage. It's a signature program here that sends students across the world and nation to do civic engagement, to learn about the social impact of their actions, whether we're talking about building sustainable gardens in India, or whether we're talking about arts education in a middle school in the city of Detroit. On average, 25% of the graduating class of the undergraduate class has participated in this program every year. And Duke Engage receives high praise across the university and is very well endowed initially by Melinda Gates and the Duke Endowment. In many ways, this program, Duke Engage, is the poster child for knowledge in service to society. Service to society, it's, it's admirable, and it picks us up off of our cushy pews, though the ones in Duke Chapel may not be that cushy. This institutional value of service to society rings loudly throughout the history of this school, even in one famous speech called Outrageous Ambitions by former Duke President Terry Sanford. It was his final address to the faculty in 1984, and in it he says, Duke aspires to leave its students with an abiding concern for justice, with a resolve for compassion and concern for others with minds unfettered by racial and other prejudices, with a dedication to service to society, with an intellectual sharpness, and with an ability to think straight now and throughout life. In service to our society, in service to our community, in service to our country, Martin Luther King Jr. even proclaimed life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Even in theological education and in seminaries and divinity schools, we hear a lot about scholarship in service to the church. But is this sufficient for the one riding down the road to Calvary this week? in service to everything else, perhaps, except him, to be in service to society, community, country, church, or others is noteworthy. But there is really only one who is worthy. 
This is why Johann Sebastian Bach would inscribe the initials SDG for the Latin Soli Deo Gloria at the end of his musical manuscripts to remind us that the glory belongs to God alone. His music was not in service to beauty or even in service to music itself. It was in service to the sacred, in service to God. What are you doing for others is a great challenging humanitarian question. But the real theological question today, the real theological question this week is what are you doing for God? When was the last time you pondered that? It's so easy to go about daily life never thinking about God. When the laundry has to get done, or you're trying to figure out what to make for dinner, or you're running around to another soccer or baseball game, or this or that rehearsal, or your neighborhood book club. I mean, why would we even consider God anyway? Because isn't God self-sufficient? I would think so, as one of my mentors used to say, God is God all by God's self. I mean, it's as if God has no needs and has hunkered down in the Trinitarian community within God as if God is isolationist. I mean, we may think that God is never in need, especially in need of us or our service. I mean, why would the creator of the heavens and the earth need the creature. Does the Lord need anything? And James Weldon Johnson in his own poem, The Creation, puts these words in God's mouth as the reason for creation. God said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. I mean, this isn't how we usually think about God. God as a lonely being in need of company but through this poetic lens, God seemingly needs companionship, community, relationship from the very beginning. Not that God couldn't do it alone, but that God didn't want to be alone. Then maybe we shouldn't be surprised then with the instructions Jesus gives his disciples. Jesus instructs the disciples to go into a village and get a cult and say to anyone who asks questions about it, Say to them, the Lord needs it. In other words, Jesus asked for help with his mission. But the question is whether we are willing to offer or let go of what we have to his service. The suggested response that Jesus gives his disciples if questions arise could be translated, lend these to Jesus, the teacher, or lend these to the service of God. Jesus wants to know if you are willing to enroll in service to the sacred purposes of God. Because in light of his request, we might say that God desires to work in collaboration with us, to be co-laborers in his mission in the world. Jesus wants what we have to offer. We may not know what we have to offer, which is why Jesus has to ask for something specifically. It's not a vague request. We may not even think we have anything that the Lord needs because we are so rife with self-doubt and despair. However, in this biblical case, the Lord needs it is a telling statement. Does the Lord need anything? Yes. 
He needs you. I mean, I never thought that Jesus needed anything, especially from me. Jesus, the one whom is being honored like Israel's past rulers on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus, the, the one for whom they throw garments on the colt and on the road in front of the colt, reminding us of past royal anointings, the branches placed before Jesus, recalling the reception that Judas Maccabeus, Israel's great leader, received after purifying the temple. This Jesus, riding a colt, reminiscent of Solomon, David's son, who rode his father's mule and was proclaimed king. This Jesus, this servant king needs us. The one whose royal procession is a protest march against the Roman Empire, showing us the first march for our lives. This Jesus needs us. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs. I mean, it's always been that way, actually. Jesus had disciples, didn't he? The Father has the Son and and the Holy Spirit. Adam had Eve. Paul had Timothy. Sonny had Cher. Starsky had Hutch. Simon needed Garfunkel. Jesus needed a cult in service to the sacred. They give the cult to serve God's salvific purposes. They let go of property in service to God without fully knowing or understanding what exactly is happening. They just honor the request because the Lord needs it. And this is beyond mere participation. This is contribution to a mission, which is distinct from participation. The cult comes from someone who loans it in service to God. Thus sharing something that is the cult for the purposes of God. The owner contributes to the mission Jesus is on, giving something concrete to it and doesn't just participate without a meaningful contribution. To contribute means to give something that becomes part of a larger whole. To participate means to join in, take part, and to involve oneself in something. One professor makes a distinction between participation and contribution when considering how students involve themselves in class discussion. He says participation connotes involvement, sharing, and simply taking part. Contribution, on the other hand, implies much more, including intellectual involvement and sharing of knowledge and knowledge construction. The cult is a key part of the construction of God's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Without that cult, the, the, the symbolic power of Jesus' humble entry into Jerusalem wouldn't be the same, and the implicit message of the type of king he is would be lost. This cult contributes to our understanding of who Jesus is and allows him to go further in his mission. But it's not just a cult either, but a cult that has never been ridden. The contribution of a cult that had never been ridden is also telling for us. This animal was not to be a common one, but a special one, reserved for a king to ride. A new one, not an old donkey, 
The cult reveals the unorthodox ways of Jesus, the peculiar path he takes for the life of the world. His ways and followers are peculiar too. Just take a look around at us. We are very peculiar. Jesus needed a cult in the Gospel of Mark, not a mature, older donkey with great experience, because Jesus wanted something new, not worn out through someone else's use, but something fresh for a new adventure, an unused cult without experience. I mean, if God wanted something that had been aged through experience and know-how, Jesus could have asked for a donkey, but he didn't. Instead, he asks for a cult that had never been ridden to use in his ride toward his eternal reign. Jesus wants something new from us this week, something never used before, perhaps a new gift that has never been used by us for him, a gift that has never been tapped, considered, or even noticed. God doesn't necessarily need your experience or your pedigree or capability. He just needs you and your availability even being willing to offer new gifts that have never been used before. God is calling for something new from your life. What new do you have to offer in service to the sacred? Cults aren't necessarily the best, the strongest, the sharpest, like an older donkey, but they are fresh with potential. What new thing is God calling from you to lend in service to him? It may not be what you think. Through the Duke Engage program, students learn how to let go of the need to excel in everything. Maybe it's not your expertise Jesus needs. Jesus may need and choose the thing we overlook, the gift that hasn't yet been stirred up in our lives, not the thing everyone talks about and for which you receive praise, but seemingly the irrelevant part of your life. That may be what God is calling from you. Not what you think Jesus needs or wants, but what he actually wants to fulfill his calling. What we think Jesus needs from us may not be what Jesus needs because he wants something that he can tutor not a well-worn idea or skill or initiative, but something he can harness for the first time for his purpose. So often God asks for the things that we think don't really matter, but that which we minimize may exactly be what Jesus wants to maximize for his mission. What we accentuate may not be what God wants to use. It's not always the grand and flashy and obvious and the best idea, but it may be a little mustard seed, a lost coin, or something foolish looking like a cult that has never been ridden. I know not many of us here have a cult, a literal cult to lend to Jesus, but maybe you have a charis, a gift that you can offer in service to the sacred, Will you offer it even when there's no five-year strategic plan and no clear outcomes or no promises for prestige or status and no clear future, or even if that future involves a Christ on a cross? 
the gospel calls us to join in the mission of Jesus and to not just silently sit by, but to give and offer what we have for God, even if it is not what you think it should be. Poet Wendell Berry has said that the threat to Christianity isn't doctrinal heresy, but it's capitulating to a consumeristic, self-centered culture. What are you doing for God? What do you have to offer to Jesus? He's calling you to care about him and his mission. Will you answer the call this week? From the very beginning, God was giving. He said, let there be, and there was. God gave us a world to enjoy and steward. And ultimately, as we know, as we march down the march for our lives this week, we ultimately know Jesus gave his life. What can you give in service to the sacred? I ask because the Lord needs it. The Lord needs you. On Palm Sunday, Jesus wants to enroll us in this service learning opportunity on the way to Jerusalem. You have something to offer God that God needs to complete his mission. What can you offer to his service? Janet Jackson once sang, what have you done for me lately? And often that may be our question to God. But God is asking us that same question today. What have you done for me lately? Only you can answer it. 